Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everyone, good afternoon, good morning and good evening. Whatever time you're listening, thanks for joining me. I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host and this is your Events for Breakfast podcast. So how am I accompanying you today? Are you on a walk? Are you having a little run? Are you cycling? Or maybe you just sat down enjoying a bit of leisure time and taking a little bit of time for yourself with me in your ears. Well, however you're listening, thank you. So today, season three, episode three, we are talking innovation within the events industry. And I have got a guest that I know you are going to enjoy. Her name is Arena Graff. She is the founder of The Mice Blog. She is a blogger. She's an event manager. And she also runs event planners talks on Twitter. And if you've ever done this and you've ever joined in on a Monday evening on Twitter, you'll know what great conversations Arena cultivates. So we're going to talk innovation, we're going to talk the good, the bad and the ugly within the events industry. Enjoy the conversation and I'll catch up with you at the end. Arena, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I cannot wait for this episode. Thank you for having me. I'm also very pleased to to be our guest today. Yeah, honestly, you are so welcome here. Like I've just talked about before we press record, I've been following you for a while. So we'll get into that. But first of all, just in case anybody don't, doesn't know anything about you, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got involved in the events industry, please? Yes, so I'm the founder of the Mice blog and uh, the event planner stock Twitter chat. And uh, first I started tourism, um, st- study tourism and hospitality. And um, as part of these studies, I had to do an internship and um, I found an internship in events in Munich and uh, I immersed myself in this world of events and and before I worked in hotels and it was very different. So I, um, we had very um, interesting events, very interesting clients. And uh, that's when I started my event management blog because I really wanted to share this experience with with the wider audience, uh, the global audience. And uh, so I started the MICE blog and also um, I found out that you actually can study events full time because um, I I wasn't aware about it when I um, started with um, tourism and hospitality. So I found out that you can study events in London at Regents University London and they also have a scholarship. So I applied for the scholarship where I had to write an essay, an academic essay about the future of events. So um, yeah, I applied for this scholarship. I won the scholarship and I started a full uh, bachelor's degree in international events management. Living in London, uh, being so central, it really opened a new world of opportunities and events. Um, Attending events such as the Confex or or the World Travel Market, uh, the Excel and the starting building my network. So it gave me a huge push and uh, to grow my network and the professional expertise. And um, yeah, and so I continued working on, on the blog. And uh, then three years later, 
I also started a Twitter chat, which is called Event Profs Talk, like the hashtag Event Profs Talk or Event Planners Talk, um, the account. And um, that the aim of this chat was to kind of connect with uh, more audience and um, discuss more um, more topics, which are uh, kind of on day on the daily agenda because the Twitter chat takes place on a weekly basis. So um, yeah, so after the graduation of my events management degree, I uh, decided to focus on the on the blog full time, and uh, yeah, and I still work on it since uh, 2015 full time, and. Um, I mainly work also with my destinations um, because I, um, I, I when I travel, I, uh, I present my destinations to showcase the opportunities for event professionals to host events there. Yeah, and uh, uh, what a background! I love that, and I can see I can see your journey actually in terms of um, the intellect around and around your background, winning that scholarship, which was just incredible. Well done to you for get for um, securing that scholarship, and um, and we talked before we press record about some of the thought provoking conversations that you provoke actually on Twitter, um, and you build that community, and you just open up people's eyes around it. So if anyone's never joined in this Twitter chat, I would tell them to join in and and. It's on a Monday night normally, isn't it? And it's great fun. Um, and it just opens up that conversation around current events in, in events. What I'm really interested in, because, you know, you've been, you came to London, you came all the way to London to, to study events. You know, what is it that you love about the industry so much and what inspires you to get out of the bed in the morning? So um, I have a, a background also in education because I studied for a degree and uh, I'm very passionate about education. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very important for me to to have a theoretical background about the industry and um, understand its foundation. So um, studying events and working in events, I recognize the gaps in the industry when it comes uh, uh, to bridging the theory and practice. Yeah, I recognize that there is a gap in the industry for people who want to deep dive into certain topics and uh, go beyond the basics, and also. While studying for events, I, I still I didn't know a lot about like the practical side of the industry, especially like how to, how to network or to to find certain opportunities within the industry. Because, for example, when I when I started, I really wanted to to start uh, working in the corporate field of events, like in-house yeah. event planning. And it was really, really hard to find such opportunities in London so actually I did find an internship in Germany like just going through the traditional application process finding the job online but it was really really hard to find it in London because you really need to know the the right people so um, for example like I didn't have mentors or uh, or didn't like have the right contacts back then so um I do recognize these gaps and uh, and I really want to narrow them down so this is like one aspect and then I also want to provide advanced content um, for those who work already for many years in the industry. I want to provide niche content and uh, I recognize trends ahead yeah. of um, anyone else. And uh, I also like to set the trends and um, yeah, and just help those who want to progress their careers in the events industry. 
And we will come on to some of those trends that you've been researching a little bit later. One in particular has really caught my attention. Um, but what I what really resonates with, with me about you, Irina, is the fact that you are a real strong, independent woman in the events industry and you like to have your voice heard. And I love this. So you, you do the theory around the events and, and you really look and in, deep dive into it and understand it all and you share that knowledge and you want your voice to be heard. So thinking about your voice in the last 12 months and everything we've gone through can you sum up your journey for us in the last 12 months because I know it's been rocky for everybody how have you found it yeah so a couple of keywords that um, I can think of a revolution innovation experimentation um, a steep learning curve and yeah. um, unpredictable um, time so um, yeah, right now we need to keep a very high level of flexibility and uh, because it's really uncertain, we went from lockdown to not lockdown and then lockdown again and now not lockdown and we don't know how it will develop because the situation is very different all around the world. Yeah. And uh, so when we started in March uh, 2020, everyone was very excited about virtual events and then we got tired uh, of virtual events, mm -hmm. but but the challenge was that we were already planning this event. So, for example, if if you were planning your event for October, let's say you started probably around July or August, and and there was we we have to plan ahead, but there is such a huge uncertainty how things will be like how things turn out to be in October and like no lockdown, so people had like more time to travel, for example, or uh, do other things than attending virtual events. So, um, yeah, so it's very, very hard to get people excited about virtual events right yeah. now. So uh, I think that's like the, the unpredictability right now that we, we have and had in the past, um, let's say, nine months. And nothing is certain. No. I wouldn't plan too far ahead right now. And um, I think like if you have an idea, then you have just like do it like straight away and not like say, okay, we will do it like in, in four months from now. It's like really, I think that the time frame is really two months. Oh, I like that. That's really true, isn't it? You, if you've yeah. got an idea that you've got to act upon it right now because it's never changing um, landscape out there, isn't it? And we don't know what the world's going to look like in two months time. And it, it is so unstable and it still is, even in the UK now where we are hopeful that we're coming out of the worst of it, touch wood, we don't know, you know, there's, an, there's another strain of the South African being found today in London and you think, okay, is this going to come back up again? So um, yeah, I think I like that. I like the idea that you just got to work action something straight away and, and take that moment there and then. Um, I'd like to ask you a question about a time before COVID, if we can remember back then. Um, now, because I, you know, you like the theory around events and you like to explore all of that side of things. And there's a, there's a bit of a conversation going on with quite a few of my peers and colleagues in the, in the events industry around the fact that pre-COVID, the events industry really needed to modernise anyway, um, and that actually the, the, we were stuck in our ways in certain aspects, and we weren't innovating, and we weren't trying things different, and we were just following the same cycle and, and delivering things that we'd been delivering for years. So we know that audiences' behaviour and engagement requirements have evolved, it was felt that the events industry wasn't innovating quick enough. Do you agree? Is that something that you was feeling too? Um, yes, I, I think that the events industry is not innovating as fast as other industries. We definitely yeah. see innovation coming from other industries. Here, for example, I want to, to share one example from, from fashion because I think the fashion industry is innovating 
very fast. And uh, you see it especially when it comes to social media and influencer marketing and e-commerce. And for example, last year, um, there was Dior, they presented the 2021 collection and they did it in Lecce in Italy, yeah. um, in the Puglia region. And, uh, they had, and they had a show, they didn't have any live audience in attendance and they, they wanted like to, to blend the Dior heritage with region's traditions and uh, craftsmanship. So for example, by choosing to host this event in Italy, they wanted also to support the, the country that suffered greatly during the pandemic. Yeah. And um, so basically what they did, they, they live streamed the show on Instagram. And uh, for that, you didn't need any registration link. And um, after the show, they, they used all this material to repurpose it on social media and integrated very sophisticated e-commerce. So um, I think it was very, very innovative. And uh, it didn't, as I mentioned, it didn't require any registration. And for example, in events, we are still very reliant on on getting the registration, the emails, the data, but there are other ways, for example, to collect data through social media when you you know how to do it right and e-commerce, then you can also measure your sales afterwards. So, so things like that, for example, um, I would love to see more in our traditional events industry and the corporate environment. I think you're right because nowadays, you know, especially when we're interacting online, we want something to be super easy and quick and simple, don't we? We don't want all of that clunkiness around having to register for something and then a link is sent to us and then we have to root through our emails to find that link. We want it immediately. We want it there and simple in front of our eyes um, just for that user experience. And you're right. We are, even though we are in, as an industry trying to adopt to the virtual online, we are still taking some of those old processes of registration process and things like that and putting them on the, into the online world which just don't, don't gel well together do they we have a lot to learn from from fashion yeah um, from food industry from um, the auto industry as well so there is um yeah there's, yeah there's a- Agree, but I, I think what we're you know I don't want to do a disservice to our industry because you know we're, we've we've come on leaps and bounds in the last year definitely we've moved on and I think that is one of the benefits of COVID for our industry in terms if we're thinking of pulling out those positives that we've had to innovate at a really accelerated speed so we have had to look at how to make engagement work digitally we have had to think about how can we bring people together from across the globe in all these different cultures together on an online platform and we've had to learn super quickly we've just discussed there that there's clunkiness around it and we're not quite there yet but is there any successes that you could pull out from the events industry how successful do you think it's been yeah um i can uh i can mention the example for example of the digital trip i think you interviewed heidi yes previous episode i think that was a very very nice example of uh, integrating a destination experience and uh, community uh, events community bringing the community together because um, that was an experience that you shared with other event professionals and Heidi as the leader of it really she coordinated and brought everyone together that was a very very nice um, event and those who haven't attended the digital trip so basically it's um, it's a digital trip to Stavanger in Norway and it's a two-day event where um, the Mice Guru, it's a DMC in Norway, they showcased the destination digitally with by um, presenting um, videos and interviews with key partners at a destination. 
and offering gamification elements like for example uh, to, to, to guess like um, things about the destination or about partners like not to guess but like to research um, yeah so that was quite successful this is one thing um, what else we have uh, obviously IMAX they, uh, they pivoted their physical show into the, the digital space and doing yeah. the planet IMAX and they um, now they are gearing up to the next event in Vegas and they will uh, have a hybrid element, right? So yeah. they are using Swap Card as a platform and they, they will build a community in the lead up to the event. So basically, I think, so community, I mentioned it already twice. That's, I think, the keyword right now. So events that are able to build a community to bring the event history together are the ones that um, showcase innovation right now. I think that's very important. And that's what also came out of the crisis that um, the, the community building is uh, and collaboration are two of the keywords. I think that how the industry is innovating. Yeah, completely agree with you there. Absolutely. And a really nice call out for the digital trip because it was um, a wonderful event, wasn't it? And I loved it. And we've, you know, there is an episode all around that. So if anyone wants to listen, please do listen back. If we're thinking, you know, you've drawn out some of the, the key successes for um, how the events industry have innovated. Um, if we're looking at today and the events industry today, what are the strengths of the events industry right now? We've got collaboration. You've mentioned that one. Is there anything else that you'd want to talk about? Yeah, so collaboration, community buildings are um, are the, the two key strengths. Yeah, yeah. That the industry got better. It at. is. It is. Those communities are so important. Now, th this is what I've been following you on because you've been talking about this so much and I, it made me go and explore it a little bit more. So talk to me about the Rotterdam experiment. So uh, I've been following the narrative behind the project and I'm interested to understand the findings and learnings and, and importantly, how can we learn from that for the future of the events industry? So um, the Rotterdam experiment um, was created by the Rotterdam Partners Convention Bureau. And its aim is to help event planners to prepare for what it holds for the global events industry in the future. Um, and if for the foreseeable future, we can't meet face-to-face, -face, so what are the solutions? And uh, therefore the Rotterdam experience uh, looked at the global trends uh, that involve, for example, um, technology, organizational structure, generational shifts, and um, looked also at the shift in values as a result of the pandemic. And two experiments took place so far. The first experiment was about mixed reality and the second about gamification. And uh, some of the points that stood out for me included um, a shift towards ambitious events and uh, the middle will be disrupted. So um, that, that means, so for example, events that are truly innovating, um, disruptive, they are very niche or they are very big, for example, so another, another aspect that stood out for me, um, it's uh, event attendees, they have a new set of expectations when they attend events. So for example, um, not, not be afraid to show vulnerability and have deeper conversations and um, they want the events be purpose-driven. And uh, what we can learn uh, from this um, takeaways is, uh, for example, importance of having guidance when we attend events. So many organizers and us, and especially now the, the younger generation, they assume that everyone understands tech or is like savvy and can navigate all these 
platforms or they uh, people understand gamification but uh, people actually they do need guidance uh, yeah. they do need instructions in the virtual environment um to to help attendees to make the most out of the virtual experience and here for example i think um there is an advantage if the event is a bit like spread spread across a longer period of time it's not just like one or two days as we are used to um to have in the physical space but like for example it's having one or two sessions per day over a longer period of time such as like one week or even one month so like there is space to build up um towards like um like to build this experience and interact more with the community and also with the sponsors then we need um collaboration on on a higher level to solve global challenges and collaboration we mentioned already that it's uh, it has become very important during the pandemic but also like this collaboration through this collaboration we can really solve global challenges for our industry uh when it comes to to what is the future of events or yeah. for example find solutions sustainable solutions for for certain aspects of the events industry um one example um to implement this collaboration is uh, the hosting online hackathon for example yeah um it's um it, it's one of my favorite event formats because then that in this can they can fully engage and contribute and network um and then the last thing that um is important for the future of the industry is that objectives should come first before the technology or before the gamification 100% yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now we have like many event, virtual event platforms but we need to ask ourselves okay do they really fulfill the event or learning objectives and uh, and gamification uh, is also not just about the fun and engagement element of it because we always talk about engage um, gamification in the in the context of okay let's create a fun hashtag and ask everyone to use this hashtag and uh, then there is a prize to win but there is much more to this and the Rotterdam experiment they shared basic theory behind some of these gamification methods and how to use digital game mechanics to achieve specific purpose so basically gamification can be also unnoticed by the participants and uh, there are multiple examples to this i i wrote it more detail uh, on the blog yeah so choosing the technology or gamification methods should come second after identifying event and learning objectives i cannot agree more what yes and i have a lot of people that ask me this question what should come first but you should you should never try and make your content and your objectives fit with some sort of technology just because you think it's really whizzy and snazzy and it, it might and you think it's, it's it's interesting it has to come the other way around doesn't it you have to think about why are we doing this event what are the objectives what are we trying to get out of it and then find us technical solution that will support that in the best way possible um completely agree so yeah i'm really i'm pleased that you drew, drew that out and it sounds like you, you've obviously blogged about it so if people want to find out more i'm sure they can go there and find it out if we come on to part two of the project now i know that part two of the project looks specifically around online there are online gaming world and understanding how they build communities and resilience together online so, you know, when we're thinking about at the moment, especially for events, we need to build those communities. We've touched on that. We need to build resilience because we need to bounce back. What synergies were identified in the research to how we can look at it from an events industry perspective to see how that we can bounce back? 
Um, so yeah, again, the key here is collaboration, I think, and uh, the experiment presented uh, different ways to, to enhance this collaboration and create an environment where attendees can contribute, co-create and shape the future of their industries um, or find solutions to global challenges such as sustainability. One uh, suitable event format for this um, collaboration is a, is a hackathon. It's, it's, it's incredible. I think, I don't know, have you tried it? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I ran one last summer actually. Okay, and it's, yeah. I'm the same as you, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's really, I think it, it brings out the best uh, from that and these in terms of collaboration and like brainstorming ideas together and yeah. really you, you feel as you've, you've done something really meaningful with purpose and you connected on a deeper level with other attendees. I also hosted two hackathons um, for, uh, for event planner stock and um, it, it was just really, it, it was an amazing experience. So I can highly recommend to, to try it or to host one. Um, yeah, so this is uh, for collaboration and then um, also event design it's it's a second way to help the industry bounce back stronger yeah and um, during the rotterdam experiment we use the total brain box method it's uh, it's an event design method uh, which I, again i, I explained in more detail on the blog but um, in short it's uh, it's a brainstorming session where, where you uh, think about different um, scenarios for uh, for a question so for example you can think inside the box or you can think outside the box and when for example you think outside the box you come up with a very crazy idea for example what will be the future of events using gamification in 2030 and then out of these crazy ideas, you, you pick the ones that actually you can implement right now. So you already kind of advancing your thinking and thinking like outside the box and in a more innovative way. So we need to use these design tools to really think uh, forward and not like rely on old methods that we used to. Agree. World. And then... Um, Yes, so it's very important to think differently and not replicate uh, what we know from the face-to-face -face events. And um, as I mentioned before, maybe one of my favorite examples is really like to not try to, to do events for one or two days online because, you know, now we have like Zoom fatigue and uh, we don't also don't have so much time uh, yeah. to 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 be on the computer and watch the, the online events. So for example, spreading the event or over two weeks, uh, having one or two sessions per day and uh, focusing on certain topics and offering certain activities that will bring so much more to the participants and to the event. And it's just, you know, singing outside the box, trying different formats and um, offering your attendees also more because um, you, you can reach wider audience when you have more dates, for example, for your sessions. And then um, lastly, I think it's very important to work closely with the event destination and the local partners at the destination, because um, now when we don't travel and we, we don't host face-to-face -face events, there is no business travel coming to the destinations. And mm -hmm. I think it's still very important to support the destinations for when events can take place again and we can travel again so it's important to incorporate the destinations now to to create this uh, experience um, 
even virtually and uh, this uh, FOMO for when we can travel again. There are um, still plenty of opportunities to involve and incorporate the destination virtually. Um, destinations are highly dependent on nice travel and now that there is no travel, we still should support uh, the destinations for when travel returns. And here it's where the role of the Convention Bureau comes in play because uh, they can support the event organizers by connecting them with the right partners and their knowledge hubs. Yeah, Convention Bureaus can support with also content design because they, uh, they know all their sectors of expertise which are very specific to each destination and that uh, can really enhance the event uh, experience. You're absolutely right, you know, um, all because people can't go and actually visit these destinations, uh, we should still be including our destination partners within our events 100%. And, and when we can go back to that travel, then, you know, they are going to be bustling and booming, I get that. And um, I just want to come back to one point around, you know, you've talked a lot about innovation, lots about innovation. And, you know, if we're thinking about our leaders within our industry, what do, the, what do they need to do? What do they need to put into practice to build a more innovative industry moving forward you know we talked about collaboration we've talked about the networking and the fact that we need to move forward and not go back into those old ideas is there anything else you'd add to that yeah I think we need to really better understand audience behavior and yeah. which channels they use um, for example um, we, we all spend a lot of time on Instagram of course not everyone but um, a lot of people um, and uh, Instagram, for example, is, is rarely used in kind of in the live streaming experience. Mm. Um, it's, there is always like more LinkedIn or having its own event platform, which is great and it's important, but um, it, 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 creates friction. it creates friction, yeah? Uh, because um, the event world still wants to, to collect data, to collect uh, registrations, emails, but there is um, there are ways also to to engage the community through these uh, channels where people just spend a lot of time on um, and uh, here uh, for example what i can use as an example is is clubhouse yeah um it's uh, it now this platform is really booming because uh, it um, it creates these like spontaneous encounters spontaneous discussions people are just stumbling upon a conversation and suddenly they're networking with with the speakers you know and um, that kind of this serendipity um, is, is missing i think right now when we talk about um, plat uh, having the event on a certain platform and uh, yeah that's why clubhouse is so successful because of the spontaneous encounters uh, and these encounters, which we actually know and miss at live events. So yeah, there is no registration there. So that should be a bit of like a spontaneous element also to, to, to the events, to corporate events. To... Yeah, 100%. And there's a lot of networking and business going on in Clubhouse and a lot of messages are being shared and content's being created. So 100%, I agree with you. Um, can I come to you? And um, I, just to wrap up a little bit now, what, what's your focus for the next six to 12 months? And, and you know, you, I see you every day adding value, but, you know, what's, what's your goal for the next six to 12 months and how you see yourself adding value to the industry? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, definitely. So with the Event Planner Stock Twitter chat, um, which is also a huge source of uh, inspiration and uh, motivation for me and networking to really to keep going. And I hold myself accountable as well um, to show up every week 
And I think accountability and showing up are like really two of the, the very important aspects right now because sometimes it's hard, like you're not traveling, you're working from home. So how do you motivate yourself? So it's being accountable. Um, and uh, yeah, so building networks through, through these uh, chats and kind of really listening to what, what the industry needs, what the industry wants and creating discussions around uh, the current topics on the event prof talk Twitter chat. Brilliant. Brilliant. I can't wait. I absolutely can't <laughs> wait to take part in more. And how can we, if anybody doesn't know how to find you, because you are on Twitter, like we've talked about and on Instagrams and things, but where, where can people find you? So um, I'm on Twitter, uh, uh, the Mice blog and uh, Event Planner Stock. These are my two accounts on Twitter and then on Instagram as well, the Mice blog and Event Planner Stock. Um, and uh, on LinkedIn as well, Irina Graf. Brilliant. Arena, this has just been incredible. And I know that the listeners are going to find it super insightful. So thank you for sharing your knowledge. And I know that lots of the listeners are going to come along and join in the in your Twitter chats on a Monday evening now. So thanks very much. Thank you, Kelly. Well, that was utterly inspiring. Thank you, Arena, for sharing all of your knowledge, all of your intellect, your research and your analytical mind. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. If you are a corporate events planner, then the MICE blog is definitely for you. So make sure you check that out. And also event planners talks like we talked about. It is a great learning platform. So when you've got some time, make sure you check both of those things out. So we're well into this season now. And if you've got any questions for me, then please do reach out. I'm Kelly Frew on all the socials or you'll find my contact details on my website, Storymaker Events. And my plea to you, as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, then please do subscribe on your usual podcast provider. And there's also an opportunity to give us a ratings there. So give us a ratings, a five-star rating would be wonderful. Enjoy your weeks, enjoy your weekends. And if you're lucky enough to have the sunshine, enjoy that too. I'll be back next week. Take care, everyone.